I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. Excuse me, did I say another edition? Yes, you did. Thanks for correcting me. It's a special edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. Just like we promised, we are doing a Pentecost podcast. Podcast on Pentecost. But actually the day after Pentecost, because we read somewhere where you're not supposed to work on Pentecost. So we're keeping in the tradition. Yes, yes. Pentecost happened a few days ago. In all honesty, we did actually do a Pentecost podcast, but... We had an electrical problem, and Steve was checking the breakers and erased it. Erased the whole thing. Beautiful podcast. The the demons are out to get us on, on this one, I'll tell you that. So here we go again. Here we go again. A couple days later, keeping our promise to do a Pentecost podcast. So there was three major festivals, right, Steve? There was the Passover was the first one. Right. And also... In the Passover was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Yeah. Then the second major festival or feast was the First Fruits, correct? Correct. And that happened 50 days after Passover. After Passover. And then there was one more major festival, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes. But We're probably not going to get a chance to talk about that. No. We'll do that on Tabernacles. But. Yeah, but we do want to speak about the Passover and the day of Pentecost. Yes. In Passover, we know that the lamb was put to death and sacrificed. For the Israeli nation. For all the sin. And the very next day began a week long of unleavened bread. Yes. The unleavened bread was the barley harvest. Right. And it represented the first seed to actually show life. Christ Jesus fulfilled this when he was raised from the dead, exactly on the day after Passover, the day that the barley barley harvest happened. Exactly. He was the fulfillment of that ritual that they went through, that ceremony that they went through for 2,000 years. Exactly, and he was the first guarantee, Steve, of yes. something that was promised way back in Genesis three fifteen, I think it is. Right, like I know where you're going. Yeah, when... Bruised the heel. Yes, and it says that God said in a statement, unconditional statement... Declarative statement. That he would crush the head... Of the serpent seed. 
with the woman seed. With the seed of the woman. Yes, yeah. the seed the, of the woman. In other words, the woman seed would crush the the head of the serpent. Correct. He put enmity between the woman seed and the serpent. He put yes, thank you. And he that's exactly what happened and it's exactly I'm skipping a little bit ahead, but we're going to get to John 12 and see the fulfillment of this. Okay. But okay. keep in mind that these festivals, mm-hmm. we're talking about seeds yes, and fruit. Grain offerings and the first fruits of their labors. The- yes. And now the first of the first fruit was the barley harvest. Right. And it was, they would make unleavened bread. Bread with no leaven. To celebrate it. In case you didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> the second one was the first fruits, and it was a wave offering. It was a, a public showing mm-hmm. of this promise that the wheat had come to life. And this was the first fruits so that the people were that were celebrating this year after year after year decade after year. Decade after decade, century after century. They were being shown something that they had no idea what it meant. No, they were clueless. They just all they knew was they were supposed to show up in person and it, participate in these festivals, these ceremonies. Yes, and not really knowing why. No, but let's go back to the promise mm-hmm. in Genesis three fifteen. Yes, he he said, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, but I will crush." The seed of the serpent. Yes. Let's go to John 12, maybe. Okay. You're familiar with that? Yeah, I am familiar with it. It's John 12, 24 is where I think you want to go, and I've got it right here. It's Jesus speaking, says, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Well, what does that have to do with going to the cross, Steve? Jesus was was saying, unless I go to the cross and die, I'm just a one-man ministry. It just remains one seed. One seed. Yes. Is Jesus claiming to be the seed? He is the seed, yes. He is, even Galatians claims that he is the seed. Says it emphatically. Yeah. That seed was, was Christ. Christ. So unless he goes to the cross, he remains a single, single seed. seed. Is the enmity there <laughs> among the rulers and authorities to put this seed to death? Yes, they hated him. They hated him. So they will lift him up on the cross. They will put him up on the cross. And crucify him. And crucify him. And bury him. So he says, if I be lifted up, do you remember the rest of that? I will draw all men to myself. He said that, didn't he? He said, I will draw all men to myself if I be lifted up. And then the next verse says, of this he meant the type of death that he was going to die. If he be lifted up on the cross, in God's eyes, all men would be drawn into him. That's something that the rulers and authorities were not aware of. Or they would not have crucified him. That's what 1 Corinthians said. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
maybe starting in, in, in verse 6, where Paul says, We do not speak a wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age understood, for if they had understood what Jesus was going to do, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, this was the enmity between the woman's seed and Satan's seed playing out in real time. We were actually getting a, a bird's eye view of that enmity happening, and the enmity was going through the rulers and authorities, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, and they were trying to put Jesus to death. And this passage in Corinthians says, if they would have known the gospel, if they would have known Amazing. that all men would be drawn into Christ, they wouldn't have done it but they didn't know it. So this was part of the wisdom of God to allow this enmity between the two seeds. Yes, all part of Adam his plan. And Christ. All part of his plan. Isn't it amazing? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's a fascinating book, that's for sure. Back to the promise in Genesis 3. Yep. I will put enmity between you and your seed and her seed. Right. And we saw that happening. And we saw her seed is Christ. And the enmity played itself out, and he was put on a cross and crucified. And as he was on the cross, all men were gathered into him. From God's vantage point. We didn't get to see it as human beings, but God saw it. From, Just looked like one single guy. Right. But from God's point of view, all men were gathered into that. And Jesus said, when he was going to the cross, now is the judgment of this world. Right. So now is the accuser of the brethren cast out. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So at this point, this is first fatal blow to Satan. He can't accuse. No. Anymore. All men are drawn into into Jesus as he hung on the cross, something the rulers and authorities didn't know or they wouldn't have crucified him. And all men paid their sin debt. It through. says verbatim in Romans 6, 7, he who has died has been acquitted from all sin. Exactly. And in God's eyes, we all died that day and paid our sin debt. In 2 Corinthians 4, 514 the love no, of Christ God. compels me because I'm convinced Danced. that if one died who pair on behalf of all then all died who pair is a Greek word it means a legal representation it does he it didn't does. so much die for you he actually died as, as you on the cross right that's fatal blow number one so the serpent struck his heel, and he's up on the cross suffering. Yes. Then, but he's crushing mm, his head. Right. And the first crush was... Send that pain. Yes. For all humanity. And I was just at the same time thinking of two thoughts like I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
where was that? It's in Galatians, right? Three about the seeds. Yeah, it's three sixteen about, and the promises were to Abraham and his seed, not seeds plural, meaning many seeds, but as to one seed, which is Christ. That's why we keep saying Christ is the seed, because Galatians three sixteen says Christ is the seed, the single seed. Yes. Which he said, it remains a single seed. If, but now Christ is now planted in the ground. And on resurrection day, yes, it corresponded to the feast of unleavened bread. Right. Now this is interesting. This is the first harvest from a seed dying, falling into the dead barren earth, and showing life. Right. Coming to life. Right. Was the barley harvest yes or the feast of first fruits first fruits that's important to know actually first fruit singular right was that and it was unleavened bread and we know leaven is a picture of sin so he was the seed without sin right now we move over to the second festival, which was to take seven weeks later, called First Fruits. 49 days later, then plus one equals Pentecost. Pentecost means 50 days. 50 days, yes. The second festival is First Fruits, plural. First Fruits, plural. And it was celebrated with cakes that had leaven in them. Yes. That's a picture of the church. Right. Even though they have sin. They're united with the seed without sin, and they become new creations. Right. And this is actually a promise and a pledge on first fruits. And it was actually the biggest day in church history. It was the beginning of the church. It's an important day to get a grasp on the significance of it. To, to understand the significance of the day of Pentecost takes you a long way to having a well-balanced Christian life. Maybe you could ex- just expound on that a little bit, Steve. On which? Pentecost, on what happened when the Spirit was given. Yeah, just like they were calling it a grain offering, Jesus Christ, just like on Passover, Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the one seed being planted in the ground, Then Christ went up to the third heaven and came back down in spiritual form and landed on the disciples as tongues of fire, but as 12 different grains or seeds. And those seeds went into the disciples. The disciples walked out on the balcony and proclaimed the gospel and spirit gave birth to spirit or seeds were planted in all those people who heard the gospel just like it says in in first peter 1 22 and following it says serve one another from a sincere heart for you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. It's saying that through the abiding and living word of God, the gospel, those people were born of 
imperishable seeds. The, the seeds were sown. Isn't that what Jesus said? And the seeds were sown on the good soil. They were all, cast all the parables out. were all all the parables and all the rituals and ceremonies. They all pictured this one idea of the day of Pentecost, where the Spirit comes back down and starts the born from above process, where Spirit begins to give birth to Spirit. All going back to Genesis three. 15 this what he said he was going to do it is happening now yes the yes. first seed came lived a perfect life went to the cross died went to the ground was buried not a single seed anymore now it's beginning to be a harvest yes and the first harvest was the first fruits in the old covenant the harvest of pentecost was the first fruits yes the first fruits are actually a guarantee of the promise in Genesis 3.15. Yes. Christ being the first part of the promise when he was raised from the dead, that this is God saying this is going to happen. Preach it, Bill. <laughs> and first fruits is what we call Pentecost now in the church and yes. what we celebrate. Yes, and it is the beginning of the new way of life in Christ Jesus. It's the inauguration of the new covenant whereby he puts his spirit in us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. It all starts on this day of Pentecost. What a tremendous day that is. What The, the entire world changed that day. The spirit <laughs> came from out of heaven and landed on human beings and went inside of human beings and then impregnated 3,000 humans, planted the seed in 3,000 humans, and those seeds have been bearing fruit in human beings ever since that unbelievable day. Through a message. Yes, through called a message. The, called the, the gospel. The foolishness of the gospel. And people from all different languages heard in their own language this gospel message. Yes. And believed it. Yeah. And were born again. And were born again of the Spirit. And became the first fruits of the promise. They were the first fruits. See how important that is? They were the first ones of us. And you know what else is important, Steve? And this will sound obvious, but I want to say it anyway. Mm -hmm. You can say, duh, if you want. <laughs> The first fruits is not the only fruit. Please believe this. If you are a born-again Christian, you have a greater purpose than just going to heaven one day. Right. Amen. You are an ambassador. Yes. You have this gospel in you. You're a first fruit so that you can produce more, more fruit. fruit. And more fruit and more fruit because... The promise was way bigger than a handful of believers or 10% of the people on the planet. It is the, way bigger, way, way it's bigger. It's the harvest of humanity. Yes. And so maybe we can, just to, just to show you that what I'm saying is not wishful thinking. Right. There's quite a few New Testament passages where Paul says the 
first fruits are a guarantee, guarantee of something. Yeah, we should look at them. Okay. I think the first verse we should look at is in Second Thessalonians. It's 2.13, and it says, Beloved, we should always give thanks to you, beloved brothers loved by the Lord, because God has chosen you as first fruits for salvation through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. We were the first ones that were being saved on a daily basis by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to make us the holy, pure people that we couldn't make ourselves in our own human determination, although we tried. We were the first ones to have the Spirit doing it for us. Chosen by God to be the first fruits, the Pentecost. Yeah, not chosen to go to heaven. No. Chosen to be the first fruits to have a purpose. Yeah, and to shine as living in exemplary Christian life. Because Jesus fully intends to to complete that promise in Genesis 3.15. He does. He does. And he's going to use the first fruits as part of that plan and part of that purpose. Yes, and he chose us to be those first fruits. So... How did he choose us is the next question, I think, and I think James answers it. For in James 1.18, it's written that in exercise of God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be the first fruit among his creation, that we are the first fruit of the people who are sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit that is in them. We are the first ones. It it was that day of Pentecost. That day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were out in front of that balcony and Peter spoke the word to them, the word of truth, and God blessed it with spirit giving birth to spirit through that word of truth. This is how he did it. This is his mode of operation. That word was the seed. That word was the seed. And the seed was Christ. Jesus is the word and he is the seed. Yes. Would you mind going to Ephesians 1.13? Sure, I can do that. I can do that. Um, Give me a second to get there. Because it it has to do with the promise and the guarantee. With the guarantee, right? Yeah. Because he's the pledge. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm there. Let me read it. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, there he goes again, delivering these seeds the exact same way. Having believed, you were sealed in Jesus with the Holy Spirit of promise who has given as a pledge or a guarantee of our inheritance. He's the guarantee that we get the inheritance that was promised to us. And he seals us with the promised Holy Spirit as that guarantee. Yeah, that that word sealed Mm -hmm. i think it's the greek word erebon and if i'm remembering my kenneth wiest correctly being a scholar right 
your Kenneth Weiss is up there on the shelf. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. It looks a little dusty. Yeah, it's a little dusty. But I'm just being. I digress. Okay. Okay. Don't know what that word means. Now, back to the the promise. Okay. I think a, a promise guaranteeing. The word is Arabon, and it was a signet ring, and it was had a couple of meanings to it in Greek society. But it was really the when a king gave an order, they sealed it up, put wax or so, something, and he took his ring, ring and he sealed it. Right. Meaning, this is guaranteed, this is going to happen. Right. So this goes all the way back to Genesis three yes. fifteen. This seed is a promise. The Going first to crush fruits the head are and a promise. It did. The church is a promise. Yes. The church is a guarantee. Right. The more fir- to come. The first fruits is a guarantee or a promise of what we actually look at in First Corinthians fifteen. I was thinking the same thing. I can't emphasize this enough. When you get a chance out there, Guardians of Grace, Gracers. Yes. Read 1 Corinthians 15 from 1 to the end. Read it twice. Read it three times and see how this promise of resurrection is developing throughout this letter. It's just unbelievable. Maybe we can go over a few passages and touch on them. Yeah. Just make make sure that we've got it clear the day we were born again is the day that we became first fruits which means it's the day that the holy spirit was given to us as a pledge of the rest of the fruit so to speak that the all the rest of the harvest is going to come in and first corinthians 15 actually gives us a look at that's a great point, Steve. The first fruits, one thing they did get out of that, that day when they celebrated it in Israel, when the ear of corn sprouted up after they had sown seed, that, that was a happy day because you knew your harvest was going to be a success. When they celebrated the first fruits, they were happy because they knew they were going to have a harvest of wheat and bread to eat. They were going to survive another year. They were celebrating. That's right. And if we know what first fruits meant and what our role in first fruits, the day that we believed we were sealed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit began to do everything that needs to be done through us, that was as a pledge of our inheritance. So, the day of Pentecost and the day of being first fruit and the idea that God made you his first fruits should be a really glorious idea. It should. It's a privilege. It does it for me. I'm telling you, it makes my day. And you have a purpose in that now you are an ambassador as if God is making his appeal through you. To be reconciled to God. To be reconciled to God. We bring the message. Yes. He's reconciled to you. Be reconciled to him. That's our message. That is the Christian message. Yes. Reconciliation. It's what causes people to get born again. Try harder doesn't work. No. 
no, rededication doesn't work. But as the spirit was this down payment, we should look at the first Corinthians passage to see what he was down payment for, what we can expect as part of our inheritance. Yeah, the whole Genesis 3.15 plan is put into effect, and it actually includes all three festivals, if yes. you read into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians, because in 1 Corinthians 15, we get a glimpse as to what Jesus died for and to what our inheritance, at least part of our inheritance, is to look at, what he promised by his resurrection. His resurrection was a promise to us. It was a ceremony that Israel did for thousands of years, and then it was fulfilled in Christ as this promise of the the rest of the fruit coming in. But here's the rest of the promise. Promise is guaranteed by the evidence of his resurrection, which is what 1 Corinthians 15 is going to tell us all about masterfully masterfully pointing out yes you don't have to read the whole chapter but maybe you can highlight a few key verses okay i'll start i i think I, i'm gonna start in in 15 7 i think that's where we need to to start it says then he appeared to james then to all the apostles and last of all as if it were to an untimely born person he appeared to me also for i am the least of the apostles who am not fit to be an apostle because i persecuted the church of god but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace toward me did not prove to be in vain but I labored even more than all the rest. Yet it wasn't me laboring. It was the grace of God in me laboring. What you just read, starting with as one untimely born after he says he appeared to Peter and James and the other apostles, then it says he appeared to me as one untimely born. Yes. Remember how we were reading in Ephesians that the first fruits were the first to believe? Yes. But Paul was born, he, he himself says, as one untimely born, mm-hmm. meaning he was not a believer. He was adamantly opposed to this gospel message and adamantly opposed to the resurrection of Christ. But he appeared to him, so his grace was not in vain, but as one untimely born, meaning the gospel is not just for believers. The gospel is so powerful that even the people that were opposed to the gospel like Paul became born again became born again but the first fruits were typically the believers later when there's other fruits there'll be people that are fighting the gospel yes. to become believers right and Paul said, gives himself an example as one born out of a time sequence not in that sequence but not in the sequence that was now where people hear the gospel and believe, but he was a one that was... Heard the gospel and didn't believe. Hated it. Till, till Jesus knocked him off the horse and blinded him. That's when he appeared to, to Paul. Yes. Okay, so th- this passage 
goes on to say, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, and this is the, the gist of what's being talked about here now, that Jesus was raised from the dead, and 40 days later he ascended into heaven, and 50 days later he came back on the day of Pentecost, but he did come out of that grave. That's the gospel. So if he's proclaimed to has been raised from the dead, but didn't actually right. wasn't raised from the dead, still in the grave? Yeah, that, it's, it's going to tell all about that. Christ has been raised from the dead. How, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witnessed against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then those who are uh, have fallen asleep in Christ perished. We have hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all men to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Wow. That word first fruit is the first of the first fruit that came on the barley harvest after Passover. That's the guarantee, Steve. Yes. And he says, if he's not raised from the dead, our preaching is empty. We don't have a guarantee. We don't have a guarantee. We can His proclaim it all we want. Yeah. But if if the guarantee that resurrection didn't happen and new life, yeah. we have nothing. Yeah. Actually, he goes on to say, if you're out there proclaiming this and he did was not in fact raised from the dead... You're to be pitied above all people. Right. I think he goes on to say, well, might as well eat, drink, and be merry, and tomorrow we die. Yes, yes. But he was raised from the dead. But he was raised from the dead. That's the good news. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's what it goes on to say. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death... A man also the resurrection for from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Amen. So in Adam all die, wasn't that where the promise took place? When they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And God comes in and says... Who told you you were naked? Did you eat it from that tree? And then he gives that promise that we've been talking about the whole podcast that I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. He will bruise his heel 
but you will crush his head. The seed of the woman, which was Christ, will crush his head. Amen. So the promise started there, and in Adam all die. First Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, Romans twelve twelve says that. It, right. Just as sin entered the world through one, one man. man. And death through that one man through his sin. Yes. So in Adam all die. That's true. That's true. But in Christ all will be made mm-hmm. alive. The same people in that all died in Adam, he says, all will be made alive in, in Christ, the yes. other man. Yes. And then it goes on to say, but each in his own order. Right. And then the next three statements he gives are actually the three festivals in their order. In Adam all die, right? But in Christ all will be made alive, each in his own order. Christ the first fruit, that was a reference to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and was also corresponded to the Old Testament Passover, the day after Passover, when they celebrated the week of unleavened bread. Then it says, so when Adam all dies, also in Christ, all will be made alive, each in his own order. Christ, the first fruit, that was Passover, resurrection of Jesus, the day of Passover. Then it says, then those who belong to him in his presence. That's the second in the order. That word is not second coming or anywhere related to it. It's actually the Greek word parousia, which means the presence of one that's already here. Wasn't that what Pentecost actually was? The presence of God? Yes. The presence of the Holy Spirit? The, the presence of God came back down to earth and the presence entered people and lives in them. God's presence lives in, in each and every one of us. That's the guarantee. That's the guarantee. That's the one that the, the sealed, promised Holy Spirit guaranteeing our inheritance so the first evidence was christ was raised from the dead the first fruit yes after passover then it says those who belong to him at his coming and it shouldn't say that right it's parousia in his presence in his presence young's literal brings that out just had an amazing ability to be literal yeah there's not a not a period in the greek right the sentence in over. No, and says, Young's literal brings that out too, doesn't it? It has a comma there. Right. And it doesn't start the next, then comes the end with right. a capital even, letter. Even my NAS has a comma there. Oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. So they got it right. Right. Then comes the end. Now, the end word is telestai, and it doesn't mean no. like the end of the world. No, I know. And time's up. No. It means the rest. The rest of the people. The rest of the order. Yes. He, he said, Christ the first fruit, then those who belong to him in his presence. Then mm-hmm. comes the rest. When he's put down all enemies under his feet. Can you read that? Then comes the rest when he delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father. When he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. Now, that hasn't happened yet, has it? No. Okay, then it says, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Like crushing the head. Yes. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. 
What's the last enemy? Death is the last enemy to be done away with, to be crushed. So death is going to be abolished, if it, we're to believe. Right. If we're to believe this that, passage. That's our inheritance. Yes. A deathless life. <laughs> what does no more death mean? Wouldn't it mean life? Yes, it means life. Let me start off in maybe verse 40, uh, verse 39, verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of birds. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. They all differ. So also the resurrection from the dead. This is what Jesus was the guarantee of, and this is what us being born again is the pledge of. It is sown a perishable body, and it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Amen, amen. That's what we get to look forward to, these new bodies. Getting rid of them. Get, getting rid of the old And body. resurrected into the new. In, into the new, unperishable, spiritual body, raised in honor and power and glory and strength and just... Totally awesome. It sounds totally stinking awesome. It is totally stinking awesome. And the fact that we have the Spirit is guaranteeing that we're going to get the rest of this promise. And that's what Passover was about. about. The, the, the promise of the fact that this was going to happen. Then Pentecost was the promise, promise. of yes. the first fruit, showing that, see, I'm starting it all now. I'm getting the ball rolling. And Spirit's been giving birth to Spirit for for millions and millions and millions of people. And then we see that the inheritance, we get a glimpse of what the inheritance could be. That's just the inheritance that comes about our body. It's just, just the inheritance about the change in our body. Nothing about the crowns and any of the other stuff that we inherit. Correct. And I like the way the next verse talks about the first Adam and what it calls the second Adam. Yes. Or the second seed. Yes. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spirit, because that's when you were, bo you were born again of the spirit. First, you were born of natural yes. biological parents. The first man is from earth, earthly the second man is from heaven the man who lives inside of us is from heaven as the earthly so are those who are earthly and as the heavenly so are those who are heavenly and just as we have borne the image of the earthly we shall also bear the image of the heavenly 
For I say to you, a mystery, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. That's where all those verses about flesh not inheriting the kingdom of God that yeah. we use to scare people. Scare people. Makes sense. Makes sense. It puts them in their proper perspective and they're not scary at all. They're going to be left in the grave. All the stuff we don't like about ourselves is going to be left in the grave. Yes. And we're only going to heaven with stuff that we like about ourselves. The awesome. New, the new man. Awesome. Good news, man. Good news. Then you want me to read uh, verse 55? Yes. Or, well, well 45. I'll, yeah, I'll do 54. How about that? But when this perishable will have put on imperishable and the mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Let's read that again. Death is swallowed up in victory. That's our inheritance. That's what all these celebrations and that's what Jesus dying on the cross and all that was was to be a guarantee of this. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Does it say a pretty close contest? with? No, no it doesn't. I see it as victory. I see it as the seed crushing. Yes, the, the head of death. Yes. Wow. It's good news, man. It's good news. That's what's going to happen. That's our our destiny is for all this good to happen. That's why we can say, I don't consider the aggravations of this present day worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed with us getting this new bad-to-the-bone body. No, and it's, it's just, to me, it's amazing to focus on this promise and this guarantee. Yes. And no matter what happens around us, if the first two guarantees have already happened... It's guaranteed. We'll, it's guaranteed. It's, it's already been proven that it's going to happen. He We've already got our good news. Yes. Christ was raised from the dead. He was. Guarantee one. The we, Spirit did come on Pentecost. Yes. And made us alive. And we were born again with the Spirit. Guarantee, guarantee two. two. So why do we doubt that he's going to yeah. fulfill the rest of the promise? We don't. If we if we get a handle on what it meant the day of Pentecost, we won't doubt. Otherwise, we're saying, okay, God, good start. Yeah, I hope you finish right. But the serpent's going to come on in the later rounds and yeah, start right. rallying back. Right, right. No, that's not going to happen. happen. Not going to happen. No matter what you read in the book of Revelation, that's not going to happen. No, that, if, if, there's, if it's not good news, then it's not the gospel. If, if it sounds bad, then you're not hearing the gospel. We at Guardians of Grace are none other than guardians of the gospel. That's all we're guardians of, the gospel. The gospel only comes in two forms, the gospel of grace and the gospel, gospel of, of peace. peace. Yeah, there is no other. No. And as someone once said, I wish I had the bumper sticker. I saw it before. <laughs> if there's any bad news in the good news. It's not good, good news. news. That's, that's it. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not good news. It's, it's dung. 
And if it's depending on us instead of the guarantee... A good point. It's not good news. Say that again, Bill. Say that again. If it's depending on us, if Jesus is counting on us to come through for him instead of the guarantee that what he started he's going to finish... It's not good news. It's not good news, and it's not going to work. No. We'll let him down. We couldn't handle our end. But it's not it's not dependent on us. It's yeah. dependent on him. We couldn't. We couldn't handle the we we would mess it up. But thank oh. God Christ is in us and he can handle the truth. Amen. He can tell it to people truthfully and without any leaven, and he can cause them to be born again and all those things that we can't do. It's all about him, man. And so just to keep our promise that we made to some people that we tried to keep the podcast under an hour, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to close us in prayer? Sure, sure. Father God, thank you, man. Give us a new revelation of what the day of Pentecost means, Father. Root us and establish us in that. Give us eyes to see and a mind that understands truly what you had planned for us because no human mind can understand it. The things that God has prepared in advance for us. He showed it to us. He gave us all these proofs and pledges and promises of what he's going to do. And they're right there if we can just look at them in the Bible and know them for what they are. But The day of Pentecost was a huge promise. It was a huge promise, Father. Allow everybody to understand that. It was a fulfilled promise, Father. Let everybody take joy in that, take comfort in that good news, Father, that they will receive a glorified body and there is happy days at the end, Father, when we get our inheritance. And it's in your son's name I ask for these things, and I pray over the guardians of grace. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. We love you. Love you.